0: Today on the Matt Show, Joe Biden makes the grotesquely absurd claim that white supremacy is the most lethal threat we face as a country. We'll analyze that claim and see if we can't identify at least a few other threats that are perhaps a bit more urgent. Also, five headlines including the woke mob randomly deciding that a certain actress is a racist Klan member. It's not true, but then again, this same actress supported BLM prior to this, so I'm not sure I have much sympathy for. And for a little change of pace, a Republican congresswoman says that Someone came and sprayed offensive graffiti on her property. Usually it's people on the left saying these things are happening to them. Well, the left is skeptical of the claim for once. So I wonder why. They had a tennis star says that it's uh, too emotionally traumatizing to speak to the media. Plus, in our daily cancellation, we will cancel Kamala Harris again. Well-deserving once again. All of that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. President Joe Biden, now in the final phase of his life, has had several significant conversion experiences recently. We we cannot quite call them deathbed conversions, but close enough. For one, in the last few years, he discovered a belief in gender fluidity, though for seven decades or so he operated under the firm assumption that men are male and women are female. He now believes that menstruation and pregnancy should not preclude a person from being um, considered a man. This is needless to say, a seismic ideological shift, perhaps the most massive flip-flop in political history, really. And yet he's never been asked to explain it. In a change nearly as dramatic, Biden has also decided lately that um, America is systemically racist. Now, it's possible that he always believed this, but he certainly didn't talk about it nearly as much back then as he does now. The privileged white male Biden has been in the system himself, has been one of the guys running the system, actually, for these past four or five decades. Then he answered the 2020 primaries, even though there were several women and people of color already in the contest. By winning the primaries, he intentionally prevented all of those marginalized people from having their shot at the presidency. He did all of this. While believing that America is is a systemically racist hellhole, where white supremacists prowl the streets and black people are regularly murdered by law enforcement simply for existing, or else he only arrived at that conclusion after he'd already knocked out all of his minority competitors. Whatever the case, it's clear that Biden has undergone a remarkable evolution at this late stage of his life, or at least is pretending that he has. And this evolution continued on Tuesday when Biden visited Tulsa, Oklahoma to commemorate the 1921 Tulsa race massacre. During his prepared remarks, Biden took time to bravely denounce the KKK. Takes a lot of courage these days to come out against the KKK, but he did. Now, it's it's interesting to note that he didn't say any of what you're about to hear when he was delivering the eulogy for his good friend, Senator Robert Byrd, who was a former Klan member and organizer. Didn't say that then, but he says it now. Here it is.
1: If my memory is correct, there were 37 members of the House of Representatives who were open members of the Klan. There were five, if I'm not mistaken, could have been seven. I think it was five members of the United States Senate, open members of the Klan. Multiple governors who were open members of the Klan. Most people didn't realize that a century ago, the Klan was founded just six years before the horrific destruction here in Tulsa. And one of the reasons why it was founded was because of guys like me who are Catholic. It wasn't about African-Americans then. It was about making sure that all those Polish and Irish and Italian and Eastern European Catholics who came to the United States after World War One. <coughs> Would not pollute Christianity. The flames from those burning crosses torched every region every region of the country. Millions of white Americans belonged to the Klan. And they weren't even embarrassed by it. They were proud of it.
0: Were there, I, I think were there people in the audience shouting preach during Did I hear that correctly? It's an odd time. Yeah, there were five senators who were in the Klan. Preach! Amen. What? Now to further prove his wokeness, Biden also invented his own demeaning racial stereotypes and announced them as fact. You hear this a lot from uh, people on the left. They just they come up with with stereotypes that I didn't even know existed. For example, did you know that black business owners don't have accountants? No, I didn't either, but that's what Biden claimed. Let's listen.
1: That the data shows Young black entrepreneurs are just as capable of succeeding, given the chance, as white entrepreneurs are. But they don't have lawyers. They don't have, they, they, they don't have accountants. But they have great ideas. Does anyone doubt this whole nation would be better off from the investments those people make? And I promise you, that's why I set up the uh, National Small Business Administration that's much broader. Because they're going to get those loans.
0: I, I had what? B- Black business owners don't have lawyers or accountants. Where are you getting that from? But all of this clumsy pandering, I think, really pales in comparison to the claim that Biden made at another point in the speech um, about the current threats posed by white supremacists. Listen to this:
1: As I said in my address to the joint session of Congress, according to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today, not ISIS. Not al-Qaeda, white supremacists.
0: Some more oddly timed... We'll get to that claim in a second, but why are you applauding? Yeah, terrorism for white supremacy is a lethal threat. Yeah. Why is that an an applause line? I don't quite understand it. Well, really, I'm I'm being facetious. I do know why people would applaud. that because that's what people want to believe. The most lethal threat to the homeland... Now, notice he doesn't say the most lethal terror threat. There's no qualification. He says it's the most lethal threat, period. He is correct, at least, that we have heard similar claims from the, quote, intelligence community, and certainly his fellow Democrats and backers in the media echo this line or something close to it. White supremacy is the boogeyman or Bigfoot. It's the monster that we're constantly warned about, though we rarely actually see. We're told that white supremacists are lurking out there, not just a threat, but the greatest threat we face, yet each day passes by and all of the violence that uh, the day brings with it has nothing to do with white supremacy. Indeed, the, the majority of violent crime in this country isn't carried out by white people at all, let alone white supremacists. White people are vastly underrepresented in the category of violent crime, especially among murderers. If white supremacists are the greatest threat, where are they? And what are they doing? Not much, it seems like. Violence plagues our cities. Most of it carried out by people who are not white and therefore presumably not white supremacists. Even the scourge of anti-Asian violence that we hear so much about is predominantly an epidemic of racial minorities targeting another racial minority. I mean, you've seen the videos, maybe. It's not a coincidence. Almost every single video we've seen of an Asian person being randomly assaulted in the street, it is a non-white person carrying out the assault. So where are the white supremacists? I mean, just staying on the anti-Asian thing for a second, there's an epidemic of anti-Asian uh, assaults. Whites, there are, according to Biden, there are white supremacists everywhere. They're the greatest threat. Why aren't they doing any of this? Why aren't they responsible for any of it? People are killed every day in this country. Hundreds every week. Most of them in blue cities. Most of them at the hands of racial minorities. Yet white supremacists are the most lethal threat. Something is not adding up here. It's like showing up to the site of a shipwreck and people are drowning all around you and you declare that the most lethal threat they all face is uh, high cholesterol. The claim doesn't become much more intelligible even if we limit it specifically to terror threats. Biden did not limit it to terror threats, but let's just pretend for a moment that we are talking about terror threats. Black Lives Matter and Antifa inflicted $2 billion of damage to our cities in one summer. Dozens of people were killed, hundreds of businesses and lives destroyed. And the long-term effects have proven even more devastating. Crime has spiked across the country as police leave the force, departments are defunded, all because of the threats made and carried out by black supremacist radicals and their allies. Black supremacy and left-wing militancy is far and away the greatest domestic terror threat our nation faces, But all of this bloodshed and chaos doesn't count in Joe Biden's estimation, because our government has decided not to classify Antifa and BLM as terrorist organizations. It's as simple as that. Well, they're not a terror threat if we don't call them terrorists, they've decided not to even classify their violence as violence most of the time. All of this gets put in the protest folder and then placed in the filing cabinet and the drawer is shut and locked while SWAT teams are sent to chase down old ladies who trespassed in the Capitol on January 6th. That's how Biden and company are able to look at a country beset by violence and blame it on people who aren't actually committing hardly any of it. They do it by intentionally miscategorizing much of it, and ignoring much more of it, and simply lying about the rest of it. And they also do it, perhaps most crucially, by broadening the definition of white supremacy so that it's now come to mean all bad things that happen. Now every bad thing is somehow, in some way, the result of white supremacy, even if almost none of it actually is. Now let's get to our five headlines. All right. Uh, I did want to mention one thing, one one note. You know, I'm always screaming at at uh, people who watch on YouTube that you need to leave a comment for the sake of the algorithm, screaming and demanding, and it's it's proven pretty effective. I have to say, this is why I'm a, I'm a theocratic fascist. It, it really is an effective method. You don't ask, you demand. Um, I'm not going to scream this time because I think the the iTunes crowd they're a little bit more sensitive, but. Um, on iTunes, if you want to support the show, one of the best things you can do is leave a review of the show. Make sure it's five stars and say only nice things. Um, and then, of course, share the show with all of your friends and neighbors and, and, uh, and everyone else. All right. Now, we'll, uh, I think we'll start here. Ron DeSantis, we'll start with something positive. I try to do that on occasion. Ron DeSantis, he passed a bill um, yesterday or rather uh, signed a bill yesterday in Florida banning, now the media headlines are gonna tell you that he banned um, trans people or rather maybe trans women from playing in sports. That's what the media headlines will say and are saying. Um, But that's not correct. It's not even correct to say, and this is probably the most common framing you'll see from the media, that uh, Ron DeSantis signed a bill banning trans women from competing in female sports. That's also not correct. The bill simply says that only females can compete on women's teams and males on men's teams. That's all it says. It's got nothing to do with whether you're trans or not. You can identify as trans, you can identify as, as whatever, you want to, whatever you want to do, whoever you want to be. Select the letter in the LGBTQ um, acronym and it uh, doesn't matter, that's fine. It has no bearing on what team you're playing on. The female teams are for are for females. The male teams are for males. That's it. Everybody gets the same rule. Is under the same law. This is equality under the law. Now, the left is upset. I mean, they're always upset no matter... Whenever Ron DeSantis does anything. They're always going to be upset when a law like this is passed. But he did it on June 1st. Which... You you may know, especially if you listened to the show yesterday, June first, the beginning of Pride Month, and they said that this is this is a desecration of Pride Month. How could he do it on June first of all times? Now I've, I've heard some conservatives defending it by saying, "Oh come on, he didn't, it wasn't he w- he didn't do it on June first on purpose. It wasn't he wasn't trying to make any statement. It's just this is this is when it worked, and um, why shouldn't he sign it during Pride Month? That may be the case. I t- now I don't want to. Look, this is just my theory. I tend to think, or maybe I hope at least, that he did it at the beginning of Pride Month on purpose. And that makes it all the better. That makes it so much better if he did it on purpose. Yeah, because that's exactly what I would do if I was governor. Um, Also, Ron DeSantis was uh, interviewed by, I think this is The Federalist, and he had something to say that you know, you you probably hear a lot. You certainly hear a lot on Daily Wire shows and among some other conservatives. We don't hear this kind of thing from Republican politicians very often, especially prominent ones. But we did hear it from DeSantis. Here's what he has to say. Some of these battles of what the left is doing and, and wokeism, you know, it's effectively cultural Marxism. And so you, know, you can have theoretically a successful um, economy. But if the underpinnings of the culture are just being torn apart, I don't think that that's a a society that's going to be very, uh, very successful over the long term. Very simple observation. Obviously, correct. You can't abandon the culture. You can't give up on the culture and then move over to some other issue economics. And think that you're going to make any serious impact there you know taxes economics these kinds of things they're they're important this is but it's not what moves people it's not what motivates people and it's not the most important thing simple observation simple truth this is something that by the way the left realizes democrats realize this you don't have to tell them twice this is why for them they they have been heavily invested in the culture war There's no, they don't have to have an argument about it. Have you ever noticed that? Only among conservatives and Republicans do we have to even argue about whether we should be participating in the culture war to begin with. On the left, there's no argument. It is fully understood that obviously this is the most important thing. You win the culture and you get everything. Politics comes with it. But among uh, on the right, we actually have to 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 make this argument, and Ron DeSantis is making it, which is why Ron DeSantis, I think, is the um, in terms of personal leaders, he's has to be the future of the Republican Party. Donald Trump, if he cares about the movement, um, he would support Ron DeSantis, come out and endorse Ron DeSantis. That would be the move if he cares about the movement not running himself as a 78-year-old man in 2024 and putting someone like Ron DeSantis on the back burner. All right, uh, moving on to this. This is from The Daily Wire. It says, Ellie Kemper, best known as Aaron Hannon on The Office. Is she best known as that? or What was the other show? that She's on another show too. I, don't, I have no idea. Um, she came under fire... Monday afternoon after a Twitter user revealed that she was once crowned the queen of love and beauty at a long-running Missouri debutante ball. The user's incorrect claim that the event is put on by the KKK quickly spread, resulting in dozens of headlines that are likely to damage the actress's career. Now known as the Fair St. Louis, local business leaders established the, the Veiled Profit Ball in Veiled Profit Ball, okay, in 1878, to, to help the city compete with Chicago's rapidly expanding commercial dominance and as a PR effort against striking workers. Inspired by, I'm, I'm confused, I don't know, are you confused too? Inspired by the Irish poem Layla Rook by uh, Thomas More and the revelries of Mardi Gras, the group invented a mythic society centered around a character known as the Veiled Prophet of Carasin, a mystic traveler who would select the worthiest beauty from among the daughters of the city's elite. Kemper would've been an obvious candidate. Before becoming an actress and starring in shows like the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, that's the the show, okay, I couldn't remember. And films like Bridesmaids, Kemper grew up in one of the wealthiest families in Missouri, uh, so on and so forth. Anyway, okay, so she was back in 1999 and she would've been, how old was she then? I don't know, presumably she was like 19 or 20, 18, 19, 20, something like that back then. She was involved in this ball it sounds super weird. I, I think we can agree. This is, like a, this is a weird thing. But the point is, there's no evidence at all that it has anything to do with the KKK. Or that there's anything explicitly racist or or implicitly racist about any of it. Um, and it was just decided, though, by... People on the left and by the woke mob on Twitter and on social media that this was a KKK ball. It's not. They just, they they took this thing and they decided. Well, it involves white people, and it's kind of weird, and they're rich. So it's basically the KKK. It's a it's effectively a white supremacist event, even if it isn't. Like we talked about in the opening monologue. That's that's how they get away with saying things like white supremacists are the greatest threat we face because everything is white supremacy. Um, And they decided this, and now they're going to destroy her career randomly. (laughs) They're going to destroy her career on the charge that she was in the KKK. This is like a 40-year-old Hollywood actress in the year 2021. And now her, her, her career is on the brink of ruination. On completely invented charges that she was in the KKK or involved with it somehow. It's completely insane. And and horrible and evil to do this to someone, to destroy them. On lies and and innuendo. So all, all of that is the case. But on the other hand, I really have no interest in defending her. I have no appetite for that. Because this is also someone, it won't. It, no big surprise here, because she is a Hollywood actress in the year 2021. Uh, so no surprise that she's someone who's come out in support of uh, of BLM. You know, she sent I think it was on Instagram a few months ago, or it might have been last summer. She tw- she she put up a post about BLM. Said she was uh, uh, donating to the ACLU to you know help bring about racial justice. Because that's the best way to bring about racial justice is to donate to the ACLU. And she did that, you know, she 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 offered her sacrifice to the altar of BLM. And now they're turning around and are destroying her for, for no reason, except I say no reason. I mean, the real reason is that she's white. That, that's the real reason. And the woke mob, if if you're a white person, doesn't really matter what side you're on. If you're a white person, they will, they will take any opportunity they can to ruin you. And there's really, it's, it's almost as though there's, there's nothing personal about it. It's just you're a white person, you're rich, you're quote-unquote privileged. If they're given an opening to take you down, they'll take it. And um, and th- of course, this in spite of the fact, and this is the point, this in spite of the fact that many members of that woke mob are also white. But they take part in this, they feed the beast until it turns around on them. And uh, that's sort of what's happening with Ellie Kemper here, which is why... It, what what they're doing is wrong, it's based on a lie, but at the same time, do I have a lot of sympathy? No. Left wing Hollywood actress offering your sacrifices to the BLM altar, and now you're being consumed. I don't you know, I don't I don't enjoy watching it this kind of thing play out. You know, it's it's kind of like if someone's doing a a YouTube stunt with with live fireworks and they blow off their hands in the process. I don't, I don't enjoy watching that. I don't enjoy the prospect of someone being maimed. Do I do I feel really sorry for them? Not really. Can I say, oh, they, they, don't, they didn't deserve for this to happen? Well, no, I can't say that. I think mean, they, they kind of did deserve it. Given that they were literally playing with fire. But still, I don't enjoy it, but it's it's what happens. Maybe eventually people will start to learn their lesson. You know, you can you can you can say all these things, you can support BLM, you can uh you can follow the script, you can follow the choreography, you can bend the knee, literally. It's not gonna do anything for you. It won't matter. If they get a chance to destroy you, they'll take it. All right, next here, this is uh, Nancy Mace. She's a Republican congresswoman in South Carolina. She says that her house was vandalized overnight, well, this was a couple of nights ago, by Antifa. And uh, she she uploaded a video. Now, this is kind of interesting because we, we hear about these cases all the time, someone on social media saying, oh, look at this hateful graffiti someone has left on my um, pr- property. And most of the time, it's someone on the left making this claim. And what happens... But LeBron James being one of them, although although the interesting thing there is he never did a video, he never actually showed us. We never even saw the graffiti, uh, and then he called he 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 called the or someone at his property called the cops. And by the time by the time the cops had showed up, he had already someone had already painted over the graffiti. Oh, okay, because that's what you would do. But whether there's video or not, whenever someone on the left claims that there was their victim of some kind of hate crime, there was graffiti, or there was a racist note or a hateful note left for them at their front door, or uh, or on their car windshield, or whatever, everyone on the left immediately believes it, unquestioning. Yet, for some reason, people on the left were a little bit skeptical of this. Let's first of all let's watch uh, let's watch the video. Here it is.
2: I woke up this morning uh, to my house being vandalized last night. Um, You can see they spray painted in black past the Pro Act on the front of my house. Um, That's my bike that one of the kids was using last night, uh, shortly before the house got vandalized. It's very scary. Um, They also spray painted no gods, no masters. All politicians are bastards with Antifa. Markings on it and you can see right in front of my house it on the sidewalks and the street um, Out here you can see Where they spray-painted <laughs> cute, Nancy um, And then they've got Antifa symbols down with uh, some of the other You know what, what's what pisses me off is uh, Makes me so angry is that this is a house that I live in with my kids my two kids and uh, one of them was on the bike last night uh, coming in from the movies and they're not even my kids aren't even safe on the front porch of their own home um and uh it's wrong we can disagree politically but vandalizing somebody else's property um is wrong and is illegal so we are uh, doing everything we can and i thank our police uh, local police who were here this morning um alerting me to what was going on um want to thank them for their diligence in figuring out who
0: did this. Okay, so there it is. Now, as I said, you, you could go on Twitter and go to uh go to her Twitter account, Nancy Mace's Twitter account, and you could see where she originally posted these videos and then you could look at the uh the comments underneath. And it's like 90% from people on the left, including verified account, more, more accounts, more prominent people. Outright accusing her of doing this herself and saying this is a hoax, and we know, of course, that if she was on the left, they would immediately accept it right away, because they always do. They, from from uh, from Bubba Wallace to Justice Smollett to LeBron James and then all of the the less the lesser known people who've done their own hoaxes, on the left they accept all of that right away. So all you have to do is give her um, different politics and also preferably a different different uh, skin color and they would accept that right away. No question, no skepticism. And in fact, they would say, if you are skeptical of it, then you're racist or you're sexist and you should believe women. And this is what happens anytime a woman is victimized and she, she tries to talk about it. She's always doubted by by privileged men. And so on. That, that that would be the line, right? But here... In this one case, all of a sudden they've discovered skepticism. So we knew that was going to happen. Now, looking at the case, though, objectively, I will say, now I, I have no idea whether this is legitimate or not. I don't know anything about Nancy Mace. I'm not making any accusations. I don't know. I, I will say, first of all, that in, in all cases like this, where someone is re- reporting that there's been graffiti or a note left or something like that, there should always be skepticism until proof is offered. And that's, that's a good general policy with all things, to have skepticism until some sort of evidence or until you're given a real reason to believe it, well, there's, there's no reason to believe it, by definition. Um, also, it is, I, I will say, and I did notice when I was watching the video, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a curious, that all of the graffiti is on concrete surfaces. She has, she has painted white surfaces right there, and the, the vandals apparently decided only to, to, uh, to vandalize the concrete surfaces where the stuff can be more easily washed off, and it's not a big deal right, in terms of damages. And you would just think if you're a vandal and you're doing this and there's a there's nice painted white surfaces and you hate this person and you're trying to vandalize their home, you'd think you'd probably spray paint on those surfaces. I don't know. So the fact that they only um, chose the concrete surfaces is a little strange. But on the other hand, what what gives it credibility is that, number one, she called the police right away. And many times you find in these hoaxes the, the people who are supposedly victims are strangely strangely reluctant to get the police involved. So she called the police right away. Also, there are, have to be security cameras all over that neighborhood. You know, this is a, a wealthy neighborhood. There has to be secu- security cameras presumably on her house. And if not on her house, then all over the neighborhood. Be very easy to check. You would assume she knows that. And also, she's a, a politician. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine a politician doing this as a hoax. Quite a political risk. It's also dishonest, and we know that's not going to stop any from politician from doing it. But... And then I'll say this, too. Uh, this Hoaxes of this kind, it's almost always people on the left doing it. So, yes, the fact that she's on the right does grant her a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Because this is, not, this is not common behavior on the right. On the left, this is just what they do. It's, it's, a, it's a common tactic. So we'll see. Police are involved. They'll look at the uh, security camera footage. And uh, I think we'll know we'll know the truth pretty quickly. The other thing is, you know, when it's someone on the left and they perpetrate a hoax and the cops discover that it's a hoax, a lot of times they don't really tell us that. There was a the case of Althea Bernstein, and uh, I think that was in Milwaukee, I believe. And she remember, she was the one who was at a, said she was a stoplight, and some racist white guys came up and set her on fire. And there, of course, there are security cameras all over the place, red light cameras, everything. She said it happened in the middle of a city. And um, the cops would have figured out almost right away that it was a hoax, but they didn't really tell us that, or it took them a while to, and even then they didn't say it was a hoax, they just said, oh, we never found any evidence of this. In this case, if it's a hoax, I think that um, there will be no hesitation to let us know. So we will see. All right. I want to also play this for you. Mara Gay from the New York Times was on MSNBC, and uh, she blasted white Americans for, she says, being so good at forgetting history. This is something that that white Americans do. We forget history. Um, here she is. Let's listen.
2: Of course, then you look at what happened in Tulsa, and we have images today of hundreds of World War One black veterans from World War One being rounded up and put into uh, the equivalent of local, you know, uh, concentration camps, and many of them lynched. It's a very harsh, difficult history that really um, is. I think, still prescient today when you think about we we still have survivors from this. You know, the other reason this is an important story is because I think Americans, especially white Americans, but Americans in general, tend to be very good at forgetting history, but also tend to think that slavery was a very long time ago and that discrimination was a very long time ago. The reality is is not that's just not the case.
0: Yeah, it's it's um it's. no, It's not about forgetting history. And this, by the way, of course, is is a racist thing to say. Yes, she's a black woman making this accusation about white, white Americans in general. you know, white Americans always forgetting history. Obviously, race is reversed and all that. We, it, she would be She would never be allowed on TV again if she said so can, if you can imagine a white um, a white person on Fox News, a white woman on Fox News saying, you know, black Americans, they they're really good at forgetting history. Never be allowed on on TV again after saying that. But taking races out of it, um, now I, I think there is a problem in America of Americans being ignorant of history in general, and that's a that is a a a function of the the school system, and of academia. It's not about people forgetting history. Now that's not the issue. You go up to an average college student. And you ask them, you know, in, in which decade was the was World War II fought? Um, the fact that a lot of them won't be able to answer it, it's not because they've forgotten the information, it's just that they're ignorant of it. Because we don't really teach American history in schools anymore. But as for the atrocities and horrible things that have happened in American history, um, no, it's not a matter of, of forgetting it. No, it's just we, we acknowledge that horrible things happened, a lot of horrible things in American history and in world history. But then also, we, we have to keep living our lives in the present. So that's the point. Slavery. Okay, most Americans are, again, generally speaking, very ignorant of history. And that's the fault of the school system. But everyone knows that slavery happened. We hear quite a lot about that. Everyone knows that. We're not, no, no, one is, no one is forgetting that. And yet you, you continue along living your life. Because it was a bad thing that happened in history. But now we're living here in the present day. And so you have to, to live in that moment and keep moving forward. That's the point. At what point, I guess, when we're, when we're constantly lectured as white Americans for supposedly forgetting all of the terrible things that white people have done in the past. As as if there's not enough emphasis on that, really. It is, when we talk about American history, it's the main thing we emphasize now. It's at the point where it's like the only thing we're allowed to emphasize if we're talking about American history are the bad things that white people did. I guess what I would ask Mara Gay and um, anyone in her camp is, At what point is it enough acknowledgement? Would there ever be a point when you would say, okay, it's been acknowledged. Now we can continue living along in the present day. Is there ever a point where that will happen for you? I'm guessing your answer is probably no. All right, let's move on to now uh, reading the YouTube comments. This is from David. In fact, I got a few a few comments like this that kind of blew my mind. Um, we were talking about Blue's Clues yesterday and how it's now become a, a, a platform for LGBT indoctrination. David says Blue is a girl dog, Matt. I didn't know either until my kid told me. But is that true? Blue is supposed to be a girl dog. So maybe there, you know, I that that to me surprises me. So Maybe there was a little bit of gender fluidity going on in Blue's Clues even from the very beginning. Um, Billy the pilot says, Matt, the next time someone says tying your shoes, huh? You should respond, striking up awkward conversations, huh? The key to stopping the madness may be to make it worse. It's the darkest just before the dawn. I can see that, but with all small talk exchanges, yeah, that is a clever response, but with all small talk exchanges, my goal is just to get out of it as quickly as possible. So I don't want to say anything that would that might extend it or might uh, precipitate a response. That's why my my answer is always, yep, mm-hmm. Like if someone walks in and says, hey, it's really raining out there. Yep, that's it. That's my goal, just to, to get out of it. Uh, Charlie says, Matt, please read this on the show. It's my life's work for you to read my comment. Well, there you go, Charlie. What are you going to do with your life now? Your one goal. I, I, I actually feel bad now because I've taken from you your one goal. This, this thing that has animated your life for so long. And now you have to find a way to keep living. Uh, another comment says, Matt, you're wrong. You aren't antisocial. You're selectively social. I, 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 I kind of like that. I like that. That's that's a good way of putting it. Pete says, the best sequel movie is Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Um, I don't think I... have Ever seen that entire? I'm not sure I've ever seen any of the uh, any of the original Star Wars movies all the way through, because I find them so boring and tedious. I can't get through the entire thing. But no, the best sequel of all time is Godfather uh, Part Two, which is also the best movie period of all time. And there's really no discussion to be had about that. And uh, Chunky Monkey, good username says so. Nickelodeon bans one of their best SpongeBob episodes titled Midlife Crustacean because it's not child friendly but throws that garbage on Blue's Clues. Yeah, I don't know any, anything about that. And I'm not, I'm not even sure if SpongeBob is still currently on the air. I, I don't let my kids watch it because I don't think it's appropriate for kids because it's vulgar. And the thing is, you know, when I was a kid, and SpongeBob is a little bit after my, after my time, um, but there were, I can remember, there were, there were cartoon shows when I was a kid, like the, in the early 90s and mid-90s that weren't appropriate for, for younger kids because they were kind of vulgar and weird like Ren and Stimpy for example but you you knew that that's what those shows were and so a lot of parents won't let their kids watch them now you're they're they're taking these totally innocuous shows for preschoolers and it's and and injecting these sort of things into those into those shows so it's a really kind of a different ball game and finally, Jared says, Matt, you finally got a camera B angle and it only took you 655 shows. Congratulations. Well, thank you. We do have a new uh, camera angle on the show. Exciting. You know, went from one camera in my car screaming into it. Yeah, it took us 655 shows. Now we've got a second. 655 more shows. Maybe there'll be a third. You never know. Things can get pretty crazy around here. You no, know, there are a lot of, uh, Small business owners and even large business owners who listen to this show and one thing I'm pretty sure I don't want to speak for you, but I think you probably didn't get into entrepreneurship and, uh, and the business world in order to deal with HR issues. It probably wasn't your the, the, the thing that, that really drove you. I don't know. I could be wrong. If it's not, that's why you need to look into uh, Bambi. Um, Bambi you know if you didn't start your business in order to worry about HR compliance Bambi can take care of that for you. HR manager salaries aren't cheap an average of $70,000 a year on top of all the difficulty that comes with it Bambi spelled B-A-M-B-E was created specifically for small businesses to solve this problem you get a dedicated HR manager based in the United States who will craft HR policy maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month while the average salary for an HR manager is $70,000 a year Um, you don't have to worry about that. Here, your your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, real-time chat, from onboarding determinations they customize your policies to fit your business. So you've got to look into this. Go to Bambi.com slash Walsh right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Walsh, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E.com slash Walsh. You know, if Americans love anything, I think uh, it's their freedom, or at least I hope most Americans do anyway. And it feels like there are some powerful forces trying to take that from you um, because they are. They're out there all the time, but you shouldn't and don't have to let them do it. Just pick up Ben Shapiro's latest book, The Authoritarian Moment, for tips on how to stop this insane power grab. So don't wait. Arm yourself with the knowledge that you need so that the woke cult, if they come for you, uh, you're going to know how to shut them down. Pre-order The Authoritarian Moment now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other major bookseller. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So today we have another exciting opportunity to cancel Kamala Harris. Harris was interviewed on MSNBC for their 50 over 50 list, which apparently is a list honoring women over the age of 50. MSNBC says that women over 50 are, quote, having a moment. I'm not sure what that means exactly. It might have something to do with menopause. I won't ask any questions. In any case, Kamala Harris is over 50 and she identifies as a woman. And so she was interviewed. And here's how that interview went.
2: What's your advice to women in their 20s and 30s who feel like they have to pack it all in, who are stressed, who are like, feel like there's a clock ticking and that there's like a, sh- a time shelf on their life?
0: Sorry, can I, I, I just want to jump in here. I, and I know women love it when men interrupt, so please allow me to intercept this question. What would I say to women who feel like the clock is ticking and there's a time limit on their life? Well, I would say, yes, you're you're right about that. You're correct. The clock is ticking. You'll be dead sooner than later. Even if you live a comparatively long life, it's still only a matter of a few decades. You can think back now to when you were a young child, and it doesn't even feel that long ago. Because it wasn't. And soon you'll be old and dying in a hospital bed, thinking back to this moment right now, and it won't feel all that long ago. Because it isn't. Or else you'll die before you're old, maybe tomorrow or today. Or, you don't know, maybe you'll get into a car accident this weekend. Who knows? There is a time limit, is the point. The the clock is ticking. You are in the process of dying right now. Every day you march closer to your own demise. Every step you take takes you closer to the abyss. And you should live with that knowledge. Live with that presence of mind. The last thing you should do is convince yourself that you'll live forever. Don't try to pretend that your sense of impending doom is some sort of illusion. Don't wave it away and say, oh, no, I'm I'm being ridiculous. No, it, it is not an illusion. It's real. That's what I would say. But something tells me Kamala Harris probably won't say that.
2: One, um, continue with your ambition mm-hmm. and don't, be, don't apologize for it. And continue to believe that you can do whatever you want to do, but also know you have a right to expect things like affordable childcare. You have a right to expect paid family leave when you need to take care of your children or your elderly parents, that you have a right to to expect that you will be seen in the full dimension of who you are and your responsibilities, and that they should be supported. These things can coexist. So what I say then, do not accept false choices, that you have to choose either this thing or that thing. Mm -hmm. That's a false choice. Don't accept it.
0: All right. The yeah, the one thing I, I love about Kamala Harris is that she has this thing that she does where she'll she'll say some banal, pointless, platitude, but then she kind of leans in, and raises her eyebrows in a way that it, it's like she's you're supposed to be impressed with this insight. Where she'll she'll say, uh, "What would I say? I, I would say believe in yourself." Hmm? Pretty good stuff. You hear what I just said? Believe in yourself. Never heard that before. Oh, she says, uh, continue to believe that you can do whatever you want to do, but also know that you have a right to expect things like affordable child care and paid family leave, and that you'll be seen in the full dimension of who you are. That's what That was her answer. No, I hate to say it, but I think my answer was a lot better. This is why the world needs more mansplaining, I think. What we just heard there from Kamala Harris was, it was a mind-numbing mixture of falsehoods, cliches, and vapid babbling. But we'll try our best to break it all down. She says that, You should continue to believe that you can do whatever you want to do. No, you you should not continue believing that. It's better if you never start believing that. You, in fact, cannot do whatever you want to do. It's probably true to say that the average person can't do almost any of the things they want to do. Or at least we we could say that that what you want and what is real will almost never line up perfectly. Because reality asserts itself over our fantasies. Reality, Reality doesn't care what we want. It just is. And it goes, goes on being what it is, no matter how much we wish it away. So one of the best things we can do is learn to accept reality on its own terms. It's better to think less about what we want. I'm not saying that we sh- should never think about what we want or that we shouldn't want anything. What I'm saying is that we, well, all of us, especially in modern society, we spend far too much, too much time thinking about what we want and then experiencing the constant parade of disappointment when what we want fails to line up with what is. So maybe some of the energy spent on focusing on our wants could instead be used to contemplate different questions, rather than, what do I want? How about, what is right? What's good? What's healthy? What's feasible? What's practical? We know about our wants. Now let's move on and think about some of those other questions, which are also very important. As for this idea that we have a right to expect, Harris says we, or women anyway, have a right to expect paid family leave and affordable childcare and to be seen in the full dimension of who they are. I'm not sure what that last bit means. It doesn't mean anything, really. Harris was just filling space, babbling incoherently. She reminded me of of myself when I was trying to hit a word count in a book report in seventh grade, but I hadn't actually read the book in question. So you're just filling in words like, um... And in conclusion, the great Gatsby was trying to be seen in the full dimension of who he is. Yeah, it sounds like that means something. And by the way, I'm miming their writing with an actual pencil, kids. That's what we used to do back in the dark ages. Paid family leave and affordable childcare, on the other hand, are at least intelligible concepts. But uh, what does it mean that you have a right to expect them? Putting aside the question of whether these are good policies, how can you have a right To expect them. Well, in a certain way, you do have a right to expect them or anything else. You can expect whatever you want to expect. You have a right in the sense that nobody can stop you from having expectations. So go ahead and expect. That doesn't mean you have a right to have all of your expectations met. Your expectations are simply your desired reality. It's the version of the world that you have concocted in your head. And you hope that the actual world lines up with it. But as already covered, the actual world never does. Not perfectly and often not at all. So, so where does this supposed right get you? Where do your expectations get you? Again, it's not that you should have no expectations. It's just a matter of focus. Should you be focused all the time on your expectations, on your wants, on your desires? Or should you get down to the business of living and doing and making and building and striving and sweating and all of that? Now, to take the latter course. You have to let go of your stranglehold on your desires and dive down into the muck and grime of the real world. It's kind of like going from a warm bath to the ocean. The ocean is colder and darker and scarier and more volatile. But it's more magnificent. It's more incredible. There's more potential. There's more to do. There's more to see. There's more to achieve. You have to choose between those two. You have to choose between your fantasies and reality. You can't live in your fantasies and in reality at the same time. You have to decide which will be your focus. Now, Kamala Harris and people like her, they want you to live entirely in your head, in your desires. You notice that her whole answer was all about things you should feel and think. It had nothing to do with with, with doing anything. They want you to inoculate yourself from reality. They want you to wait around for your expectations to be filled and everything you want to magically materialize. They want you to live passively to live wanting, to live expecting. They want you to waste your life, basically. And that is why they and she are canceled, whether they were expecting it or not. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. the show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021.
2: Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Dr. Anthony Fauci's emails emerge, and they are not particularly flattering. Plus, President Biden unleashes a tirade against America to commemorate the 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen.